بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Just letting you all know, I'm recording this, but I'm not going to be recording the video. I'm only recording the audio. And and so, so and as a general rule, as a loyal rule, you're all not allowed to record this uh, your, your, yourself. Um, but having said that, the, the, the chat box is open for people who feel more comfortable speaking in, in the chat box, but I urge all of you just to, these are literally your, your fellow MSA people uh, to, 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 to contribute with. To give you a little bit of background of, of this class, we call it the student life class, and we do a number of different topics, and this year it's sort of like a book club, and you don't have to buy the book, but the book is called Letters to a Young Muslim, and the author is Omar Saif Robash. He was or is a diplomat in the Middle East. And as he speaks about in his preface, um, in fact, let me share the screen with you so you can all see it. Um, so can you all see this and see my mouse moving around and such? Yeah, pretend like you can. Okay, good. So. So he is uh, a diplomat. His oldest son was born in the year 2000, which is very close to some of you. His sec second son is born in the year 2004. And this book is literally a collection of about 30 letters that he's writing to his son or his sons. Uh, his reflections about life. So if you look at some of the titles, uh, Landscapes of Islam, Wealth, Opportunity, Repentance, What is True Islam, Islam, the Religion of Peace, Challenge of Freedom, Re 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 Revelation and Reason. We're going to explore these. Uh, we may or may not go through them in order. And you do not have to do any work outside of class. It's more, we're going to read these together and then, and then discuss however, however much we can discuss in a particular session. My goal is to try to limit everything to give or take 30 to 40 minutes uh, in terms of content but you're welcome to stay longer than that for, for further discussion. And so uh, before we begin, in any capacity, does anybody have any questions about anything? Uh, I think you're all just curious, what is this gonna happen? Are we going to learn things? So, so let's just jump right in. And uh, uh, hopefully all of you have at least the PDF to, to, to look at. In fact, let me just switch to the PDF screen. And you can all just see what I see. So you all see the PDF, right? Letters to a young Muslim, chapter one. Okay, so the questions you face. Habibi, safe. So, you know, that's what Arabs have to call each other. What's, what's like the Desi equivalent of Habibi? Anyone? Beta. Yeah, Beta, Beti. Yeah, probably something like that. You know. Uh, so, so we'll go with Habibi. For, 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 for now. Um, uh, who wants to volunteer to read for us? And I'll just interrupt you at random points. In fact, maybe let's just do a first read through of the whole thing. Anybody want to volunteer to read? Should I call on people? I can read. Okay, go for it, Mr. Aman. Okay. And is this big enough or do you need me to make it bigger? Oh, no, it's good. Okay. Uh, actually, okay. Questions you face. Habibi safe. You often ask me why I am writing a book and what is it, 
what it is about. Sometimes I tell you that I am writing it for you. Sometimes for young Muslims like you. I watch you as you grow and I think of the challenges you have faced and will face. Sometimes I know that I am writing this set of letters for myself. Okay, I'm going to stop you for a second. <clears throat> what I would like each of you to do for yourself, whether it's in a Google document or something, is jot down little lessons of life. So imagine you are going to write this book for your child. Yeah, as far as I know, none of you are married right now. None of you have any children. Um, but uh, think of what this project is as something all of us should do for our children. Okay. And, and so, and oh, I received a text from someone saying, I cannot read, that's perfectly fine. But uh, think of it uh, as though this is something every, every one of us should be doing. Okay. Uh, as, and one way to think about it is think of advice you wish someone gave you. Okay. All right, continue. I remember when you realized that you were a Muslim. You were tiny. You were sweet and round and friendly. It was at an event at school. Your schools so far have been English language curriculum schools, and the student body came from more than 100 nationalities. One day, the students had to identify their religion, and you came back aware of your religious identity. You took this identity very seriously. You began to ask me what you had to do to be a Muslim. I explained as best as I could the simple steps of knowing that the big guy in the sky who created the world was really called Allah, and that hundreds of years ago, he had sent us his messenger Muhammad with the Quran. I told you that we prayed five times a day, and I remind you of Ramadan, when we would not eat all day until the evening. Soon you were coming back from school, telling me what I had to do to be a good Muslim. It seems your Arabic teacher and his colleague your religious studies teacher had a better idea of what being a Muslim meant. You became a little aggressive and I began to realize that your mother and I were not the only ones bringing you up. I saw that we had little competition for your attention. I panicked a little. I had images of you running away to Syria to fight in a war where people would exploit your good nature. I imagined you cutting yourself off from us, your family, because we were not strict enough Muslims, according to the standards that you had picked up from these so-called teachers of yours. I had the urge to go to your school and punch them all and tell them that they had no right to teach you these things. Instead, I spoke to your mother repeatedly and at length. She is seven years younger than me and grew up three streets away from where I live with my siblings. Unlike me, both her parents were from the same town in the Emirates, Alain. Her upbringing was more unformally Arab and Muslim than mine could have been, given that my mother is Russian and descended from Orthodox clergymen. Your mother would have been through similar experiences. I know because we had gone to the same school. It was not that we were taught to hate groups of people in a formal way. It was the offhand comments that a teacher would make or the playground gossip about the Jews or the Shia sect of Islam. The assumptions, the assumption was that you could condemn people you had never met and who had themselves never done anything wrong. Your mother was, and is, adamant, as am I, that we are not going to let our children be educated to hate. Okay.
So, so a lot in here. Um, a question for each of you, and try to think back and answer it. Uh, how old were you when you first realized or discovered or were told that you're Muslim? What do you think? And one way to help figure it out is how old were you when you first started fasting or when you first started praying? Anyone? I'll go. Um, for me, because I went to MCC, I knew since preschool, but I didn't really get an understanding of like expectations. So like I was in first grade, maybe. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, so preschool, first grade. Anyone else earlier, later? And all answers here are, 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 are correct answers, so no, no worry about being embarrassed or anything. Like, Aman, how old were you when, you when you discovered or you found out you were Muslim? I'm trying to remember. I can't pinpoint. Mm -hmm. So what what I, go ahead. What are you saying? The earliest I can remember, like, doing something related to an Islamic practice would be maybe, like, at the age of seven-ish. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I think I first started fasting when I was about seven. And I remember my first fast. Uh, we were visiting relatives in Karachi. And I just randomly decided I'm fasting today. And, and then, you know, been fasting ever since. I was actually mad. How could you not know I'm fasting today, right? Uh, and, but I also think because we're Pakistani, uh, I had a consciousness of being Pakistani probably before having a consciousness of Muslim, of being Muslim. Same. Same. Yeah. Because uh, both were like the same thing in terms of my brain. You know? Not for me. Yeah. But for me, I feel like my Pakistani identity was formed before my Muslim identity. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Cool. Hello, the rest of you. Sonia, you come from, from a big Muslim family. Any idea how old you were? when you started realizing you're Muslim? Um, yeah, I was probably around the same age, like seven, eight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, you know Shazia, she used to teach me mm. about Islam when I was younger, so probably okay. around then. So Shazia is uh, another person who graduated from, from Loyola. Uh, Muhammad, what do you think? How long ago? Um, well, I don't really remember. Uh, I have a terrible memory of like big events in my past. But I remember that uh, I know before six, seven years of age, uh, my parents used to like bring me to this Sunday school in the masjid. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Muhammad actually went to the the masjid that that my that I grew up in. Uh, although I don't know if we've ever crossed paths, and and my parents are one of the founders of of, of that masjid, way 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 back into the day. Uh, Tukwa, what do you think? How old were you? You grew up in a, in a small town. Um, I think I was really young when I first realized I was Muslim because I think my parents um, wanted to get us to start memorizing Quran. So I think I have memories from like when I was like, I think I started learning Arabic before I started learning English. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'd say I was like probably three or four, mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, like for the Desis, uh, well, many of us had to memorize kalimas, you know, or other things to memorize this or that. And I don't even remember how young I was. 
uh, and, and memorizing those things. I'm trying to remember when I had an actual consciousness of being Muslim, though. Like, Aman, you were saying your consciousness of being Muslim came later than your consciousness of being Pakistani. Uh, but rough idea, do you remember when you started developing consciousness of being Muslim, that you're a Muslim? I'm trying to remember. Uh, uh, how many of you went to, were put through like weekend or full-time Islamic schools? Yeah. Yeah. Farah, you were not? Um, well, so I didn't grow up in America. So like, like public school was basically Islamic school because like we learned like- oh, you up, um, Where did you grow up in Egypt? I was born in Egypt, but I um, grew up mostly in Dubai. Mm. Okay. Um, so like we had like Quran class and like um, Islamic studies and history and stuff. So it was like weird to come here and be like, oh, that's not what everyone does in their mm -hmm. like public school. Mm -hmm. um, but when I came here, we, we did Sunday school for like a few years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. And then all the rest of you went through some, some sort of uh, weekend school at least, uh, weekend Islamic school. Yeah. And then, and so he raises that point about when you start becoming aware of your religious identity. I think especially for, for those who grew up in, in, in America, so far you probably didn't experience this maybe until you came to the United States, when part of your discovery, I think, is the fact that you're different than everybody else too, you know. And so, so like Adil, do you remember how old you were when you had a discovery of, of being either Muslim or being different? than everybody else in school. You're, you're in mute right now. Wait, are you also in class? In another class? Okay. So I don't know if Adil's speaking to us or if he's speaking to someone else right now, but okay. Oh wait, uh, Professor, I do remember something. Okay. Um, I remember like in my first grade year, um, the like during breakfast time in school a lot of my friends and stuff would ask like why don't you ever eat sausage and then I remember responding because I can't as mm. being a Muslim so by first grade I definitely knew I was a Muslim mm, interesting I'm trying to remember if I, I actually I had a similar story to that now they remember it when I was in kindergarten uh -huh. um, I think it was Thanksgiving and like they had turkey and I remember the teachers asking me why I couldn't eat and I was just like I can't eat turkey because I'm Muslim I think that was the first time. <laughs> but they were like force feeding me, and I was just like, I can't eat this. You're mm -hmm. like, you, you coffers, you know, you crusaders. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I do remember in Cub Scouts, oh, this would have been older. This is probably like fourth grade. Uh, we were having a pizza party, and I told everyone, I'm not allowed to drink any of this root beer because it's against my religion, because it's beer, you know. They're like, okay, you know. And, and I grew up in a town that was very, very religious. Literally, its nickname is a community of churches. So, so they were not just Christian. They were like super hardcore Christians and such. But uh, so, so, yeah, so what I'm suggesting is that for most of us, a lot of your Islamic awareness probably happened, especially related to the fact that you recognized or you were made to recognize that you're different. And Shada is saying, that for her, it was when she started wearing the hijab. Uh, Shada, how old were you when, you when you started wearing hijab? Was it like a grade school thing, high school thing? Sixth grade, okay, yeah. So then you probably really had this consciousness that you're different. And then we have another point here where 
there's also all the different influences that we have. If you were to think of other than your folks, who are other people who are influences on your identity? So I'm including your Islam, but not necessarily limited to your Islam. So Shavas things, friends, what do y'all think? Yeah, Muhammad. And you guys can literally just jump in. You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, usually for me, it's teachers. And teachers, I think, are the only one. Because they're always like, you know, like both religious and non-religious, you know, they teach you a way to think. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, like it steers me into which direction I want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the teacher is a big part of it. And so here, uh, uh, Mr. Hobash is talking about the conflict he has with his kids' teachers that he felt his kids' teachers were of a very particular oriented orientation defaulting towards exclusion. So he mentions people who are who are Jews, Shias, and such. How many people in the room right now are Shias? And it's not to call you out. So Aman, you are anybody else Shia? Yeah. And so so again, all of you are part of are part of our discussion hundred percent. And and so uh, how, how old were any of you when you had a consciousness of being either Sunni or Shia? as opposed to just being Muslim? Maybe like three years ago. Three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Four years ago, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hina, what, what were you saying? Uh, I was going to say um, probably like third grade because I had this friend um, in MCC at my old school where her like usher was different than ours. So I was always wondering why she was like different. And that's when I found out, like, that we were, like, Sunni and Shia. So I think, cause I think she was, like, the only Shia at that time. Uh-huh. And so we didn't really get, we were just taught the Sunni way. So mm-hmm. we didn't really, like, differentiate that. But mm-hmm. I was pretty young, so we didn't even learn about, like, Shia, Sunni. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's often common, especially for Sunnis, right? This is, goes with, you know, Sunni, Sunni privilege. Uh, Muhammad. For me, it was like also early on because um, to call when my parents were deciding me to put like me in like weekend schools and like which his, like uh, part time his schools and whatnot, which ones to go on. And my parents like you had to go with like ones that were like thirty minutes away when there was some like ten minutes away. And I asked my parents why do we have to go to the longer ones? And they said, well, their school of thought is the same as ours. And and then that's when I began the discussion: what school of thought, what Shia, what Sunni, what kind of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so so it might play out in terms of where you go, uh, especially if you're going to the farther place than, than the closer place. Shava says, I just found out last week, man. Okay. <laughs> right. And so so what's one of the repeated themes here is that part of your experience going through life is this experience of identity development. Yeah. And so a question to think about for, for each of you is if uh, if I ask you to make a list of your top seven identities, ask yourself, number one, what would you put on that list? And number two, what would be at the top of that list? If you're being brutally honest with yourself, would, for example, uh, uh, being Muslim be the number one thing on the list, you know, or would it be your ethnicity, you know, gender orientation, anything else? Uh, so, once you do that as an exercise right now, 
literally take uh, take about uh, two minutes. And this is not something you have to share with everyone. Failure to my parents for not becoming a doctor. Yeah. Well, you're gonna, you're gonna, that'll be part of your identity for, for quite some time until you have a sta stabilized income, inshallah. But um, um, uh, this is not something you have to share with the rest of us. But on a sheet of paper or in a document, what have you, list out your seven most prominent identities. And I'll just sit around here and look at. Wait, what are the uh, types of identities? I don't even know the words. No, anything. So, like, if if I asked you to describe yourself in seven words, you know, what would you pick? Seven is a lot. You can make it five. I felt five was too short and t uh, ten was too many. So. I mean, for some people, maybe it can be a lot or too much, but for me, it's like... The other was like, I'm just one thing. <laughs> Man. You're not entirely wrong about that. <laughs> Mine would be, I'm just one thing that is... Ladoos. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give you another minute. Again, if seven is too hard, then you can do five. But try not to do less than five. In the 30 seconds, inshallah. And this is sort of like saying what aspects of you are the least negotiable or the most important or the most precious. Okay, now I'd like you to make a second list. And think of somebody in your world who's the closest to you, yeah, whoever that may be. And, and, but preferably a real person. Yeah, not like your imaginary friend Penelope or your stuffed animal, Mr. Mr. Fibbles, but uh, somebody real. And now have them make a list of your, you know, primary seven identities. So let's say the person closest to you is a sibling. What would that person list for you? And so this is your attempt to sort of imagine what is the, the picture of yourself you're giving to the rest of the world. So just to clarify, we're writing, we're writing what other people would think of us from so, their perspective. So, uh, so someone, so let's say it's your, you know, your brother, your sister, right? Brothers or sister, or one of your parents. And we went to them and said, all right, tell us what is taqwa. I mean, not in Islam, you know, what is you? Okay. And, and so what would they list? 
So, or if we were to ask them, what is most precious to Tukwa? I'll give you another minute. In some ways, that's a little bit harder because that requires a bit more honesty. Like if you ask my family, <clears throat> uh, I think at the top of both of lists, my own list, as well as how, you know, my daughters or my parents, everybody perceives of me, Islam would probably be at the top, I think, I think. But for the list that they're saying about me, sleep would probably be in their list too. You know? And if you really want to make this fun, actually ask this to somebody, to that person. You know, like if you were to list the seven things that are most precious to me or that are most prominent in my identity, what would they be? Because you, what, what you might be surprised about, and you can finish up your list. Again, you're not sharing this with, with, with us. This is for your own experimentation. Uh, what you might find uh, prominent in the second list would be other external things uh, like your height, uh, your complexion, your weight, fi uh, fitness level. Uh, those things might uh, be in the list that the person close to you is going to point out. And even we don't have to call it the most precious, the things that are on your mind about yourself uh, the most. So it could also be your most vulnerable aspects too. This is also part of your identity. Now, <clears throat> one of the challenges of Islam in America right now, so 2020, um, more so than 10 years ago, more so than 20 years ago, is that you kind of ha you have a number of different currents. And I don't mean Sunni Shia, etc., Ismaili, Ahmadi, and things like that. I mean, like, two big different approaches to Islam. And one is focused on pushing and promoting an Islamic identity that we are Muslim and we are American and we are upright. And that's sort of like category, one category. And then the other category is focused on salvation with Allah Ta'ala. Okay. So naturally the ideal is point number two, but the dominant one, okay, uh, see you later inshallah. Uh, the, the dominant in terms of where a lot more money, more and more money is going to is on an Islamic identity that if you're Muslim, you look like this. And it usually means someone who's not white. If you're a woman, you're covering your hair. But like in our class right here, you know, we have mashallah women who are covering their hair, not covering their hair, and everyone's part of us. And then if you're Muslim, you're probably Arab or Desi, but you may be African-American, you might be Bosnian, you might be something else. And so that's a big part of, of what you're seeing more and more in terms of the projection of, of Islam in America. So the way this teacher is concerned about, about or this uh, father is concerned about the teachers who are influencing uh, his kids, a way to think about your influences, one of the big influences on your consciousness as a Muslim would be something like TikTok. So there's all those, there's all those Muslim TikToks, right? What was the one that someone just posted today? It was like the MSA president one. 
my, my, my daughter sent me this one TikTok about like how I feel when I say, and it's like this guy is just going through this whole Muslim village, feeling really proud of himself and such. And, and so that's creating for every one of us an image of what is appropriate Muslim behavior, what's good Muslim behavior, what's bad Muslim behavior and such. Yeah. And right now, just think of it as a concept. We're going to flush it out a, a little bit more. But the point I'm suggesting is on the one hand, you have your identities. On the other hand, you have what you're revealing to the world. And then you have all these influences. So one of those influences is going to be your own family, your own teachers and such. And then another influence is going to be greater society telling us what Muslims are like. Yeah. So for example, all the way for me growing up, I was born in Karachi, but came here when I was like two, uh, from almost age zero up till probably college at least, being a Muslim in American society was a novelty. You know, almost no one knew anything yet. Uh, Muhammad Ali, most famous boxer in the world was Muslim. The most famous, one of the most famous basketball players, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was Muslim. The Sears Tower was designed by a Muslim. So there was that, but it was still by and large a novelty. Yeah. Whereas for you, my age at that time, now we have a couple of people in Congress who are Muslim. We have, we have people who won major media awards that are Muslim and such. Your self-consciousness about being Muslim is very different than mine was back then. And these are things we're gonna be talking about uh, further in this book. You're also different because you're, you're too young, mostly you're too young to have any memory of 9-11, but you're still sort of in the shadow of it. But even those of you who are new students here, um, are a little bit different than the older students because uh, w there isn't as much talk about war with Muslims as there was in the news, let's say, five years ago. You know, there isn't as much talk about Muslim terrorists as there was, you know, like three years ago. Now there's so much talk about white supremacy, white supremacy, Black Lives Matter, all that stuff. And, and in some ways, that's beneficial for, for those of you who are younger because, you know, those who are older... Uh, that's also part of your consciousness. That America has been at war with my people for, for, for all these years. You know? And so what we're touching on, and just for this first discussion, is just to reflect upon who are you and what is also forming you. Uh, it's already 5.33. Let's do one more paragraph. Uh, Aman, you want to continue for us? Sure. One by one, we spoke to you about the people that you were meant to hate. There was no reason to hate anyone. There is no reason to react to the world around you with hatred. You have to understand that someone has made the choice for you. And when they say you have to hate, the choice is yours. And the only way you can make the world a better place is by doing the opposite of hating. It is by loving. It was not easy to change your mind. Your teachers had done a good job. This made us more determined than ever to win you back. Eventually, you came back to us and decided that hatred was unnecessary and unfair. In fact, hatred is many more things. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. So, so you've probably seen those memes, like, you know, hatred is taught, and you'll see uh, a little white kid, a little white baby, and a little African-American baby hugging each other, with the point being that hatred is taught. This is, uh, I think, absolutely true. And even to think of this MSA, uh, where was it right here, uh, that this, uh, it was very common in the MSA uh, to hear all kinds of Shia-phobic, anti-Shia jokes, like horrendously, horrendously nasty jokes. There would also be uh, uh, misogynist jokes. There'd be racist jokes and such. And it took a lot of effort to, to sort of get that stuff at least 
out of the Muslim prayer space. Uh, I don't know how present that stuff is uh, outside of the Muslim prayer space in terms of general conversations, but this was this was a thing that was really really destructive in 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 our own MSA. And I'm speaking to you before uh, I became chaplain, but when I was teaching here, it was just it was rampant. And and think of this as something that's taught. So all these people that are spreading these these nasty comments, they're being taught by someone to to have these nasty comments. And so even when we think of Sunni and Shia uh, relations or how the, the two look at each other, we'll have conversations about that when we get to it later on. Uh, but the point is, uh, I don't know of anything in either Sunni or Shia tradition that even remotely preaches hatred, that preaches hatred of Sunni or Shia, meaning a hatred of the other. Obviously, there's some fundamental disagreements in terms of theology. You know, even you know when I'm beginning the school year, I'll announce, okay, I'm a Sunni, in terms of, of my outlook, I'm Hanafi in terms of my law and such, just so everyone understands, you know, where I stand for the purposes of transparency. But, but keep this point in mind. Uh, and community-wide, this actually does go both ways. On MSA, in terms of the campus, it was, it was because Sunnis were the overwhelming majority population. Those were the people who were much more guilty. But the, the bigger point here is that this is something that is taught not from our texts, uh, as much as it is taught by people. Likewise, another thing is anti-Semitism. One of the points that we'll get into a little bit later on is, is, is criticism of Israel is different than, than anti-Semitism. You know, criticism of the policies of Israel is very different than, than criticism of Jews and stuff. Uh, let's stop right here. And, and next time we'll get into these next two, these uh, remaining paragraphs. And then after that, we'll, we'll continue on. Anyone have any other thoughts, questions, reflections about any of this? Did you like the exercises? So my suggestion is, is actually find that person and have them write what you are. As long as it's not going to turn into a fight. You know, how could you say this about me? Don't you know me? Don't you ever pay attention? Right. No, uh, uh, try to uh, see if they uh, ask uh, your sibling or ultra close friend or what have you. Okay, list what do you think for me are, are my, the seven most important or precious aspects of my identity and see what they say. I do believe you will find it to be very much a learning process. You're eye-opening, inshallah. Okay, so that's basically it uh, for, for all I have for today. Like I said, my goal is to try to keep this between like 30 and 40 minutes. And for anyone who wants to have any further discussions, you know, uh, I'll still stick around. On Friday, we're going to have games for about an hour. So in theory, it would be after Juma and beginning of the weekend, but you know, Juma doesn't really exist in most, most of our places. But uh, then uh, next week, I'll be unrolling uh, another round of classes. Mondays will be uh, at five o'clock will be Quran class. And, and I'll post questions in the group chat that if you can't answer these questions, then you should probably take the, the class. And uh, either I'm going to roll it out next week or the week after that, Mondays at 6 p.m. is going to be a Quran class focused on justice. So ayahs related to justice, whereas the 5 o'clock is going to be foundational, you know, starting with al-Fatiha and such. And then we will add even more classes the week after that, inshallah. So I'm literally going to have an event every single day, give or take. Um, and don't feel like you have to attend all of them. For most of them, I'm also going to record the audios and post those too.
but that's part of the reason why I'm going to try to keep it short. So you don't feel like it's, it's, you know, five hours out of my week, but rather it's more like 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes. Alrighty. <clears throat> no questions. I have a question. Go for it. And if anyone has, for to the, feel free. Yeah. For the ones that you are recording the audio, will we be able to play them back at two times speed? Yeah, you can play them back. Uh, 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 I'm going to upload them to my SoundCloud, and and I think you can you can play them at whatever speed you like. You know, 300 speed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hina, did you just hear a good joke or something? You're doing it right over there. No, just the fact that you're putting it on SoundCloud. I mean, it, <laughs> what is exactly is the funny part about it? Is it because like <laughs> I'm, I'm astonishingly cool? Is that what it is? No, SoundCloud is usually for like. Oh. Brown teenage rappers. <laughs> That's like, what they usually for. It's me and Chance the Rapper, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? And you're all welcome to troll me. I mean, you won't be able to troll me as much as my daughters do, but um, that would be exactly something that would have made my daughters laugh, too. So that works. Right. A little bit of a serious question. Yes. Um, I'm curious to see if this occurs as a result of just understanding between the two groups or if it's like things that we do, which Sunnis don't like, but what were some of the things that Sunnis used to say about the Shias? Uh, I think it was, I don't remember specific things. I think it was literally just straight up Shia hate. Okay. And uh, I think if you were to ask any of those people, what do Shias do? Uh, they would be able to rattle off a couple of nonsensical legends, urban legends. You know, like there's there's a, there's a couple of urban legends that you have in the Sunni community about Shias that are just complete nonsense. So so one is that the imams are basically prophets, okay, right? Which is wrong. Uh, another is that uh, Shias have a Quran that is 25% longer than the than the actual Quran itself. That has, I've never heard of that. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's another nonsensical legend that flies around. Um, there's another. Uh, um, Looking back to me in terms of like the common stereotypes, nonsensical ones, but the Quran one is the one that's repeated the most, as well as the status of the imams. The common Sunni doesn't understand what what the status of the imams are, which we will talk about inshallah as it becomes relevant in the text inshallah. You know, it's literally it's uh, hate is never coming from doctrine. You know, yeah. um, it sometimes comes from behavior. You know, ah. Uh, so someone has sent me a private uh, a private message. Uh, so Matam in Ashura um, is is something that's often pointed out uh, that is also I think misunderstood too. You know, uh, but even uh, from what I'm remembering from back in the day, uh, I don't think that even came up. But that is a common, you know, look at what these people do type thing. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about these inshallah. Wait, can you? Um... If you can, put the PDF on the Sakai page. Yes, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Any other questions about anything at all? Wait. So the SoundCloud thing, I'm, I'm confused about that. So where is that going to be? Is that going to be on the Sakai page as well? So we're going to make a SoundCloud that's literally going to be called Hina Sharif at SoundCloud.com. Right? I'm just kidding, kidding, kidding. Um, yeah, no, I have a SoundCloud page that has a bunch of my recordings. And sometimes when I get too tired of just saying the same thing over and over again, I'll just say to the student to go to this recording. And 
what we are going to do is take a photo of of our classmate here who can't stop laughing about it and we'll make it really big <laughs> and put it on the screen but no, i'll post a link you know for whoever wants to listen to it so. okay any other questions I just have to comment on the SoundCloud thing because you are really like promoting it. Like you're, it's like your heart and soul. Like you know those yeah, like that boys that are like, yo, 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 check out my SoundCloud on my Instagram page. Like yeah, got, that's what you're like doing a, right now. We're like, a so are you dropping a mixtape anytime soon? Yeah, basically, I'm gonna wear like a big three on my head. So. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. And yeah, I'm gonna start saying words like yo at the end of every sentence, yo. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't. Man. I, I don't think people will take you seriously anymore. Oh, but you are taking me seriously now. This is good. No, after SoundCloud thing, I calm it down. <laughs> okay, should, should I open up my own TikTok? You know, that's what I'll do. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. I'm going to open up my own Vine. That's what I'm going to do, right? You know. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Vine is dead. Is it like officially dead? Yeah. Like, <laughs> How's Vine gone? Oh, that's weird. Okay. <laughs> so I have received a message uh, uh, that a student will follow me on TikTok. This is good to know. I will have at least one follower. Uh, what else would be like appropriate like social media for, for me to use? What was that one? Yeah. Panopto. Panopto. <laughs> Anything else, whether you know, enjoy uh, my coolness or anything related to the material? Do you have an Insta? I oh, have. Okay, so this is a perfect uh, uh, example. So I, I oh, on Instagram, I set up Omar Muzaffar, and I couldn't find it. I didn't understand like how does this thing work. So then I opened up Omar M Muzaffar. And and it took me forever to figure out how Omar M. Muzaffar in, in my Instagram works. And I sort of have that figured out. And so now I just post jokes. Like, I'll usually post like three jokes a day uh, on, on Omar M. Muzaffar. Omar Muzaffar is, is dead. There's also a Muslim chaplain that I'm not even going to try to get into that because it's just too complicated for me. Yeah. It's very, it's very, very difficult. It's caused a tremendous amounts of stress for me. I mean, you know how long it took for me to figure out how to put this photo up here with this masjid? That was, that was like a long time. So, I think you're all having a little bit too much fun with this. It took them longer to put the picture of the masjid than it took to build the actual masjid. <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> the masjid took so long to build. And then, you know, and then, okay, it doesn't even end there. You know, I would do things like this. Uh, just to drive my my daughters crazy, like you know, you know. The best part about this is that now you only have my head, you know, floating through, right? It works much better when it, when it's with this. You know, it's like welcome. I can't teach you that one. To, welcome to outer space, right? By the way, uh, here now you'll be happy to know that all of this stuff that we've been saying for the last 10 minutes will also be in that soundcloud.com recording. Any other questions about anything else? Yeah, so for the uh, meetings that you said are going to happen like daily and whatnot or every other day, yeah. are there going to be reminders for that? And where are the reminders going to be? 
so hopefully the MSA will remember to remind people and I will try to remember to remind people. Yeah, so. But it'll be pretty much a fixed schedule. By the time the whole schedule is full, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at five o'clock, there's always gonna be something. And then Monday at six o'clock, there's gonna be something in Friday at three o'clock. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, five, 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 five. Monday at six also, and then Friday at three. I was gonna do Friday at five, but I figured no one's gonna show up. So I figured people will show up at three. If you have virtual Brianna, Yeah, virtual Brianna, yeah. So we will have something every day, but obviously you're not obliged to come every day. And, but I do believe you'll find all of them to be beneficial, inshallah. My suggestion, I mean, again, your primary obligation is your classes. So I'd say try to attend one of these things on a regular basis. And if you can do that consistently, I think you'll benefit quite a bit, inshallah. Any other questions about anything at all? Any more trolling of any sort? Nothing else? Okay, then let's stop right here. Uh, and then once the recording is set, I will upload it with great joy and I'll look for a good photo of myself in a hat. Anyway, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma glory to you, O Allah, wa bihamdika praise and gratitude is to you. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta we bear witness there is no God but you. Nastaghfiruka, we seek your forgiveness wa natubu ilayk and we turn to you. Okay, may Allah reward you all inshallah. And we'll see you again in a couple of days or whenever. All right. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.